Okay, welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And this is such a special episode because, well, firstly, I spoke with Annie, co-founder of Bottle Shot, an amazing cold brew coffee brand. But secondly, this is episode number 52. And, you know, you can do some calculations. I've been doing an episode every week. And so, yeah, 52, that is a year of the millennial entrepreneur, which is pretty mental. Like, I, I, I didn't think I'd be going this long um, since I started, but you guys love the episodes and the guests, and I'm, I'm loving doing it as well. So, yeah, we've carried on for, for a year and um, hopefully another year from here. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. So in this episode, we covered some amazing topics with Annie from Bottle Shots, uh, such as how Annie and her co-founders took a concept from the US, from the USA, and adapted it to the UK and European markets. So this isn't this isn't just cold brew coffee specific, but this is so specific to sort of any other business that you see in the US that you feel like, hang on, that could work in the UK, or indeed any other place, um, you know, it doesn't have to be the US, the UK, it could be from like China to the UK, it could be anywhere. And how she kind of tested the market in that sense to kind of adapt it for the UK market. And also the strategy behind how they have undertaken so many brand partnerships and which which have hugely escalated their growth and how you can best undertake brand partnerships yourself to, uh, to elevate your business. She outlines her tips and strategies um, that you can very much like take inspiration from. And also how they've recently been stocked in Ocado and WH Travel. So huge stockists and uh, I think they're stocking... I think by the time this goes out, they'll be there. I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> you can check their website if, if they're there or not. But um, but yeah, such a good episode. She outlines how that whole process came about and yeah, where you can find them in the future. So such a great episode with Annie from Bottle Shot. I love the sort of story that she had. So yeah, be, be sure to stay to the very end because it's such a great episode. A lot of value, a lot of entertainment value as well. Um, a really good story behind it all. So that takes me to this week's shout out. So in case you don't know, every week I'm giving a shout out to someone who's left a written review on Apple Podcasts as a way of saying thank you. And there's been a lot of them over the year that we've been doing this. So in this week, uh, the shout out goes to HDW Graphics, who says inspirational and motivational not to be missed. The team at HW, HDW Graphics have all been listening in recently and highly recommend for motivation and key tips with some brilliant guests. Thank you so much for that comment. It's so nice to hear that you and your team are enjoying the episodes. I really hope that you find value in them um, and hope that you continue listening to them and find value in the future. If you want to feature in the next episode in the form of a shout out, please be sure to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts and I'll give you a shout out in the next episode. And also while you're there, I've got to mention this episode actually will be on YouTube along with the previous two episodes. We're going to be uh, putting all the all the YouTube like full episodes on so in case you guys like to watch, you know, videos of, uh, of the guests and I, the full video interview is on YouTube. So that'll be in the link below in the description. So if you like watching, watching as well as listening, then that is the thing that is the thing for you. So be sure to subscribe while you're there also. And also there's a few bonus things while you're, while you're on video as well. So there's a few things that you might not get here, but you'll get there. All right, I've been talking for a long time. So let's get on with the episode. Hey Annie, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, really good. I was saying to you before we hit record, we've had we've had a lot of food entrepreneurs like in, in like the last sort of 10 episodes or so. So we took a little bit of a break, but we're back with you. And I'm really excited because we've had a few like coffee brands before, but I don't think to the scale of you guys. So I'm, I'm like genuinely really excited to have you guys on. 
yeah, just really excited, basically. Yeah, we're thrilled. We're excited. Or I guess I'm excited since it's just one of me here, but <laughs> yeah, because you're a, you're, you're a team of three, right? Like as the founders. We are. And we have our fourth person joining us now, but uh, two founders, Charlotte and I, and then Emily is our head of business development, uh, does everything. Jack of all trades. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I've had two people on the podcast before in one go, as in like me and two other people. And like that's okay that's fine to record but then three people it would get really like just hectic loads of people talking over each other in person in person it would work fine but it's just over like this I feel like yeah people would listen and be like what's going on there's just too many there's too many people talking no I agree (laughs) I've tried to limit any zoom meetings to one principal person being there because anytime both sides the second you get to four people it's just no one's paying attention or, or all yeah it's be- when you when you get like people especially the founders when they're so excited about the idea or their product and they're all kind of obviously if you start talking about your vision and stuff like i know your fat your co-founder will probably chip in and be like like really excited as well yeah. and then i'll chip in as well because i i like it when i i feed off the passions of founders that's something I really love. So it's like, yeah, I think it would just be like way too hectic. I was just saying, we're also like best friends. So we would probably keep like, then start chatting to each other on the side and forget where exactly <laughs> we were supposed to be going with it. Yeah. And I'll just, I'll just leave. I'll be like, yeah, we don't, you don't really need me anymore. <laughs> so it'd be good like for people to find out a bit, like, I guess a, a short introduction about what is Bottle Shot before we jump into kind of like how you started and all of that stuff. Bottle Shot is cold brew coffee. Uh, we have our current- oh, you the product right there. I do. <laughs> Audio listeners, you are li- you are missing out right now. She's holding two lovely bottles, uh, uh, cans. Yes, we have one that is our black coffee, and one is with oat milk. Um, and so this is a cold brew coffee, but really it's a a ready drink coffee. If you like iced coffee, um, getting introduced to cold brew, you will like it even more. So we are uh, coffee. Um, it's just iced coffee yeah simple yeah we are these two flavors you can buy them in store on our website but essentially we we just felt like the ready drink coffee which is our category which is really just the uh any sort of energy drink on shelf where you grab it to go or you don't have time to make it or pop in a shop and you just sort of want uh, a great energy boost right then that's sort of our role in what we play uh and we felt like there was a gap where you couldn't really find a really just proper coffee, traditional coffee flavor, high quality, not full of ton of sugars or flavorings or uh, chemicals. And so that is really what we set up to do using cold brew coffee, which is just a, uh, a, a way of making it really high quality and without any of the, the junk involved. So that's, that's what we do. Before we jump into the UK sort of market and like what you kind of observed before you started i think it'd be really good to find out i guess the origin story of how you came up with the idea because i know you're originally from the u.s and i think like the, the journey starts there right from the u.s and cold brew coffee has always been a thing in new orleans and that's just sort of what we associated it with we thought about it as a very regional thing you know my mom makes cold brew every single night in her fridge that's sort of just always been a a local sort of nostalgic thing for us, but Charlotte and I have always loved the way that you feel on cold brew coffee. It's such a smooth energy and it's just, it tastes so delicious. It's, um, it's just a great, uh, way of making it. And so we had always known it, loved about it, would talk about it. And we, uh, we realized, um, that 
when you look at the U.S., a bunch of challenger coffee companies from La Cologne to Blue Bottle to Wandering Bear. These are a lot of brand, uh, coffee brands who started popping up over the past 10 years uh, from California to San Francisco. They were all they had all discovered cold brew and they'd started using it as a way to make ready to drink coffees really high quality. And that was something that was just such uh, an easy aha to us of you can uh, of being able to take something that we always loved and be able to shake up a category. The U.S. has, you know, you walk into a Whole Foods in the U.S. now and it's an entire aisle of ready to drink coffee. It's not just a few a few brands. So it's absolutely taken over every convenience store. The the coffee fridges are actually bigger than the Red Bulls or Monster Energies or Gatorades or Waters. Um, all it's just become its own. Uh, it's become the priority. And when we were here, you know, we would go around. We you go to a coffee shop, but really in store, we couldn't find anything that did the same thing. We we could find an option that would have a little bit of caffeine in, in it. You know, I'd taken maybe be okay for like a half hour or, you know, taste delicious, but, oh, wow, that was such a treat for myself. Like I shouldn't really be doing this every day. Uh, and so we just decided that we would do sort of that same shaking up of the, uh, of the category that they achieved over there. We just decided we would, you know, we're living here, uh, staying here and decided we wanted to have the same thing. Mm, I think that's really cool. It's a really good, it's a strategy that a lot of companies use actually, like not just in the food space, but in, you know, technology in like consumer goods, it's in pretty much a lot of different things. Yeah. In between food and technology, Deliveroo, uh, uh, I've mm. heard this, I've never actually heard it from them themselves, but Seamless in the States, they took the concept, brought it here, did a better job and succeed, have succeeded so well so far. People might see it as like copying or whatever, but it's it's like taking an idea and it's all about execution, right? Like at the end of the day. So when you when you see some sort of ideas that you feel like could work in your your actual in your own country, um I yeah, I'd really like hearing stories like that actually. Yeah. I think they're really cool. Well, we actually um, we started thinking about this. We know we know people work at some of those uh, coffee places, and we actually called them originally and said, "We're so excited! We've just realized that you know cold brew has taken off. When are you coming to Europe?" And we we actually called uh, two to three people and said, "When are your companies coming?" And they said, "It's going to be the next rise. Everyone thinks it's going to um, go there next, but we're all." Um, we're all focused on, you know, growing here. We can't split focus. We can't split resources. So sit tight. And it was almost when they told us to sit tight that Charlotte and I decided, no, we can do this. <laughs> That's really cool. I think I think a lot of people see, I guess, the ideas in the US and a lot of a lot of, you know, companies do start like the ideas do start in the US and they transition to like Europe or the rest of the world. It can work the flip side also. Um, but I think a lot of people see that as a deterrent. So they're like, oh, it like they're doing it in the US. So it's like, why should I do it here in Europe or like wherever wherever you, you are? And it's like people don't realize how massive the North American markets are. Like they're gonna be they're gonna be like working through them for the foreseeable future, especially if they're a startup and a few like a few people. It's like by far bigger than European markets. Like people don't realize that. So I don't see it as a deterrent. I see it as like concrete validation that it works somewhere. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. And if you if the if the origin of the idea, kind of no matter which continent it's coming from, if the origin, 
you know, we did a lot of research and talked to a lot of people and shared cold brew and had people taste it and talked to people about their coffee buying habits and were they open and interested to, to sort of uh, what we wanted to do. I, you know, if there's a gem in a, of an idea there, it's applicable across so many places, but also the U.S. is huge. Those three companies that I mentioned, they're sort of sat like here, here, and here, and they're all still trying to gain, you know, enough foothold yeah. as each other. It's it's massive. Before we jump into, I guess, the the European markets and what you what you saw there, it'd be good to find out a bit like about yourself and also your co-founder's background because this isn't this is your first time in, I guess, the food space, right? It is. We were close to the food space, but we were in technology. Uh, Charlotte's first company was a restaurant payment app. You could book, uh, split your bill, pay the bill all through all through this app. And it was a bit, you know, so we were working with restaurants like Inception Group and a lot of high quality places. So we were close. We were on the actual, um, we're, we were on the tech side. Uh, neither of us are coders. Charlotte uh, understands coding very well and ran the business. And then my job there was uh, customer strategy. So my background has always been what is product market fit? How do you find the right people? How do you make sure that your product, uh, that you're talking about it to get it out there in the right way? How do you make sure it's got stickiness, all of that? So we sort of thought our our two skill sets applied to starting a startup and wanting to sell a product, but uh, at, but we are definitely new to F&B. Uh, so we, in the beginning, we actually went and pitched Soho House before we even had a product to go on shelves and sort of went through, you know, we really believe in the quality of this. We believe that this is um, go- going to be something that your customers will love. They agreed. Uh, and we did that as a way to build credibility because Charlotte and I saying it tastes amazing doesn't ma- doesn't mean anything to anyone, especially doesn't mean anything to retail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we, we've sort of taken an approach of as we grow and as we build, how do we, how do, honestly, it's like seeking affirmation from people who have already sort of built their credibility in the space. And how do we share our product and our story with them to get them to lend a little bit of their, you know, stamp of approval on us. That's our way of sort of sneaking into the F&B market. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I'm really interested to find out more, I guess, about the the whole like steps towards validation because obviously like this was a really popular sort of sub-market category within the US but within Europe as you said it wasn't really like growing much there are a few brands that are in this market especially the you know Starbucks and a, f- and a few other ones but like we talked about this you know moving an idea from say US to Europe but how can you kind of validate whether there is an appetite for that sort of thing in this market and it, whether it translates effectively to here yeah because that would that would, that would be you know a lesson for a lot of different ideas not just food no i mean it's for every idea even if you're you're not translating something how do you start to go about testing uh the concept whether it's you know i would even essentially call our first ones of these prototypes and you know we went around sharing feedback uh we did it from a lot of different inputs so the first like the first stage was just looking at market data you know what are the experts saying? There, you know, coffee is a very ingrained category. There is a ton of available data there. And for context, the category is tiny here. It's two um, ready to drink coffee is two percent of the coffee market in Europe. In the states, 
ready to drink is 22% of the coffee market. So it's completely reaching maturity. It has a strong foothold. It's, 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 but it, it used to be nothing like that grew very quickly over the course of 10 years. And so we're looking at Europe and same thing here. They're expecting exponential growth year over year to sort of replicate that same thing. Um, but then with that, do we have an understanding of the category? Like do, is our perspective sort of, uh, in line with what will drive that growth? Uh, how do we find the right people to do it? So from, we took market data, we then ran our own market research. We also went around to, uh, we, we were working in a co-working space. We brought in coffees. We had everyone try. We had everyone we know try, um, making sure that we didn't just have British people try, but Italian and French and get everyone. And there's so much culture when it comes to coffee that we sort of learned, okay, like this is this is uh, who's more likely to adopt it first, who might be a little later, uh, farther afield, and and how are we talking about it in a way that actually syncs with how they know and interpret coffee? Because it's going to be different from ours. Um, and then a lot, a lot of iterations on recipe, a lot of taste testing, blind taste testing to make sure that we... From the, from the data you gathered from the, the taste tests, from the data... Yes. So, well, no, because we always had a, I think Charlotte and I have a, are very passionate about what we think amazing coffee tastes like. And so it was sort of the data of how, do honestly, just doing our own due diligence, do we think this matches with what the like trend reports are saying? Do we think we can talk to people about it in the right way? Do Who are we going to be targeting? Um, and where is that buyer? Like if we're, if we're in Whole Foods, is our buyer, is that person there? Like making sure that we're putting our retail strategy against the right consumers and, and all like the business plan. And then with that, we can be, we can have a really smart plan. We can be fully prepared and feel like we've absolutely nailed it as a food or beverage. It just matters about product experience. It has to be at, you know, Oatly doesn't have to do any marketing if they don't want, because everybody talks about Oatly for them because people find it to be a delicious and great, uh, you know, it's perfect for lattes uh a great product so then from there we like in addition to the research we did so many blind taste tests on recipe to make sure is this absolutely perfect does it hold up all of that i was gonna say that's quite rare actually in other i've just kind of made this observation now I, like i'm just throwing ideas out there but it's quite rare that you get that strategy within like overall other other markets like when you when you say oatly doesn't need to do any marketing spend like we call like it's called like product led growth where the only thing you need to to lead to i guess growth within your product is to make the product better whereas in other industries you have to do other things like you know find where your consumers are and i guess market to them very heavily the only other example i can think of is i guess like Shazam they didn't market very heavily but because like word of mouth was so strong yeah. they got people adopting very quickly and it's quite interesting that you say they don't need to market they just need to make their product better I, like, I don't know if that's like really unique for the food space where like it is all about user, you know, people taste it and it's kind of like maybe you're playing on, I guess, the habitual nature, the addictive nature. I don't really know, but it's really interesting that you said that. Well, I think it was probably a little bit of both for them because uh, I believe part of their original strategy was going through baristas and getting baristas to be their true champions because the actual body of, of oat milk is a, is a game changer versus, you know, uh, almond or his, you know, other ones that have been there already. And so almost their strategy was, we're going to build word of mouth and word of mouth will like naturally beget itself. 
Um, but yeah, and I would say the same about Shazam. I definitely have never seen, and I've seen Oatly's ads. I don't mean that they don't market. I just mean that I think their strongest tool is word of mouth. And Shazam, I definitely found from a friend and have no idea yeah, which friend yeah. he found it from. And that's like, that's like the holy grail for a lot of brands. Like they don't, because obviously every brand out there has to focus quite heavily on the quality of their product, like whatever it is. But it's when the only thing you need to do is focus on your product and it will grow. That's like, you don't really get that. That's really rare. That's like an amazing thing. Yeah. And we are, we are not only, but we are hyper obsessed with customer feedback. Um, you know, before we even jumped on, I love to send our coffees and get people to feedback to me. Yeah. We save every single um, comment, even if someone says it verbally, writes it in, uh, posts it on a story. We have a channel that we save all feedback in. And like we analyze that from every perspective because also it helps with new product development. You know, if somebody if somebody is looking for, well, decaf or, you know, it, it's just helpful to sort of know how how are people perceiving the drinks, you know, are is what you think you've created really true or, you know, so it's, it's so important. Um, and it also, as, as, you know, as running a startup, it is a slog sometimes and we do get amazing customer feedback and it's just so uplifting, keeps you going. Cause you realize this isn't only something that like I really want, but there's so many people that are really appreciating it and seeing that same, um, I'm so happy, like we get told so often, I'm so happy I found you. And that's just, it's incredibly uplifting. Annie talks so much about the actual product and the quality of it and how that's such a big factor when it comes to sort of the growth of her business. You know, she's been going for a year and a half now with her co-founders and seen some amazing growth. And so I wanted to kind of move away from not just the product, but also some other factors that she attributes to the you know huge growth that she's experienced within the sort of year and the year and a half that she's been running it. And we'll go on to some really big stockists that that, that they're going to be launching in very soon. Well, it's been an interesting year, <laughs> which everyone can say. Uh, we have, you know, when we first uh, launched, we got, you know, we got Whole Foods March of 2020, and our first plant drinks. It matters what they taste like. It matters your experience with caffeine. It all does come down to that um, for why you're going to keep returning to to it and be a, you know be a consumer of it. And so our original plan was to get out there and just do samplings and tastings. We did one demo in Whole Foods, right? As everything was like, okay, no, we're shutting down. Um, so we've, you know, we've in that time, we've done a lot of um, co-brand partnerships. We've done stuff with Halo Top. We've done stuff with alcohols. We've done stuff with, um, you know, pressed juice and sort of tried to, I think a lot of brands actually came together and said, well, how do we use our own channels and share channels and help promote each other and help get people out there? You know, Press Juice was amazing. They actually, uh, they have their juices, soups, meals kits. And they, at the beginning of lockdown said, we're going to start offering a grocery. And they started loading a ton of other brands there that were synonymous with breakfast and sort of those similar types of eating. And like people got inventive and people got, you know, uh, had a great fulfillment uh set up and they're like, let us help you sell. Uh, so a lot of co-brand stuff, a lot of online. We also, because we couldn't get out there and couldn't do sampling, we launched a taster pack on our website. So you can order a box that's just one of each can. Um, and we also did you know, certain things where 
we're all, I mean, for months and months, the Zoom fatigue, send a set to a friend or a coworker and we'll send you a set back for you. Uh, just trying to get people who haven't experienced coffee yet. Of course, you're not going to buy a six or 12 pack of a drink you've never had. Here's an easy way to experience our brand. Um, and so a lot of it, a lot of it has been that recently. And then working on securing additional placements. Uh, we've never taken our eye off of sort of retail and physical footprint because that is what will ultimately be. I mean, ease of buy, our category is ready to drink. Ease of, buy, of purchase is so important to us. So continuing to grow our footprint around England, um, absolutely critical for us. And we're doing our first uh, national launches uh, coming up next month. So we're, we're really excited for lockdown ending, getting out there, uh, even starting to talk about some safe outdoors events if taste of london goes on we have high hope yeah yeah it sounds really cool and i think i'd love to kind of talk a bit more about i guess the brand partnership stuff because it sounds like that's something that you've pushed quite dip quite hard and it's something that we actually haven't spoken about on the podcast before as a growth strategy and it's obviously like a very big one so how how important was that for you especially in the early stages or even like now, right? And like, how did you kind of go about doing them? So we didn't really do them in the early stages. The early stages, our strategy was actually, um, again, going back to the, how do we build credibility? We sent out um, to editors and to uh, influencers in the space and just sort of said, will you review our coffee? Um, we got fantastic, you know, Forbes, Vogue UK, Wired, Vanity Fair. That was sort of how we built. And we, when our strategy was, well, if we can show that, you know, um, experts like this product, it's going to be easier to then sell in as a new brand to retailers who are taking a risk on us. So that was sort of our strategy for how how do we make retailers um, want to take a, you know, it is always a risk with a new brand. So how do we convince them that we're a, a, an appealing, you know, low level risk or um, high opportunity? And then... When we went into lockdown, that's sort of when actually all the brand partnerships started. And I think it happened a little naturally. Uh, it was a really confusing time. It was a very unsure time. All of our, you know, traditional clients were, you know, whether it was the grocery stores were flooded or the, um, you know, restaurants not knowing what to do. It, it, it was a bit of a weird space where I think a lot of brands actually just started chatting and talking together and you know how are you are you helping support your clients over here what are you doing up here are you you know there's are you shutting not are you shutting down but like are you pausing all marketing and i think a lot of that came from everyone that we talked to it was like we're just you know using this as a testing ground and seeing what sticks we're open to doing whatever so we started doing whether it was like recipe collaborations or uh giveaways contests or Anything that was, you know, we sold rude, um, rude health milks on our website for a while because we got a bunch of customers saying they wanted um, almond milk option and we don't and we don't have that. So a lot of different things I think came out of just an unknown period and everyone saying, well, let's get creative and let's try stuff and let's help each other out. I will also say the food industry has been incredibly Everyone is so kind. Everyone is willing to help share insight or, you know, what has worked for them, what hasn't to give advice. It's been really amazing about the industry. Yeah, that's pretty good. Do you think those sort of things will carry on, I guess, 
when things open up like you said it was kind of big during i guess pandemic and lockdown and stuff but do you think those sort of things well firstly will you, do you want them to carry on given the like, what sort of growth you got from them but also do you think they will carry on or do you think people kind of become more siloed again i think they'll carry on and i hope they do i think there's some that are natural um long-term partnerships like uh an alcohol with a with a seltzer water or we uh, you know uh espresso martinis so we do a lot in that space we definitely now have partnerships for espresso martinis that are that those are real partnerships those will last um i think people have also found that you can get more creative on social channels and provide more interesting content by you know with halo top we did an affogato which is the ice cream and coffee as like a, a dessert that you know it's a fun little recipe and it's something interesting for our consumer there's just there's there's more legs to sort of each brand by being able to see well how do these products work together what what can we um, what can we create out of them or how do they complement each other a lot you know one person goes into a grocery store and buys a ton of different products there's a lot of synergies and overlap with having the same target audience and it goes beyond F and B too like we've done a lot with um, fitness studios and gyms because we sort of have that health and also uh caffeine for like a great workout angle there's it's outside of your space as well there's just i think it's i think it'll definitely stay that's really cool so like it's good that you're actively kind of pushing that and i guess for people listening with a brand or you know they're thinking about starting something and they think you know partnerships is like a, a really good growth strategy for them what kind of tips would you give to them like what sort of things have worked for you or like what sort of, yeah, what sort of stuff like do you feel like is really valuable for that? Well, one thing I would say in that is that I wish I had started that a year ago. And I also wish I had started uh, just asking people who've done what I'm trying to do before. Um, hit them up, ask. Everyone is so kind. They might be willing to talk you through that. And I don't mean like, oh, I've done coffee before. I mean, we're trying to do better at web. Do you know whose website I love? They don't have to be in food and beverage, but you know, how did they get to that place? And you, you know, what are they willing to share sort of what didn't work? And I think so many more people are willing to talk than I ever realized. I think I took way too long to start just asking those questions. And I think that's also where brand partnerships come from. You, you find synergies that way. Um, so I would say, if I, if I was going to go back and start again, I would look at not only from like the product and the target customers, but what all around my brand am I trying to do? And regardless of category, who do you think is absolutely killing it in that space? And are they willing to talk to you and sort of share how you might want to think about your strategy or evolve theirs or i think that's a really good note to, to actually like wrap up on like the, no, the note of like collaboration the note of i guess everyone working together to to produce something a lot better for for everyone really um it's something that's forgotten about massively like people do like to work quite hard on their own but yeah if there's people out there doing something that you love why not hit them up and ask like how do they do those certain things people are more friendly than you might think like, you know, in my journey, people have helped me massively. Whenever someone asks me about podcasting, I'm always willing to help them. And I know a lot of my friends who are in podcasting as well, are the same. So yeah, I, I, I love that message to end yeah, on. Yeah, no. And as, as long as it doesn't, as long as you're not trying to rip it off, like take it from them as long as yeah, yeah. them. I find when people ask for advice from us, 
I love that something we spent so much time on and blood, sweat and tears is actually going to go somewhere else too. I'm like, oh, great. You know, this has even a higher value. It makes it feel, you know, every, every success has some sort of like you trudge through to get there or you worked so incredibly hard on it. It's nice to see it go somewhere. Yeah. So, so true. Annie, I can't wait to actually taste, taste some, uh, some bottle shot uh, coffees. Yeah. And actually we forgot to mention, cause like our, the podcast episodes are so short, but you're actually launching in some big retailers that you like, I'd, I'd love to find out about. And I think, yeah. What are those retailers? Yeah, so we are launching on Ocado pretty much any day now. And then we're launching in WH Smith Travel May 9th. And this is our first like big national accounts. We're so excited. Well, national accounts might not be the way to phrase it, but we're just, we're so excited. Uh, you know, one of the yeah. questions we that we get online, especially is how can I just buy one can, hence the taster packs. Uh, and excited that now it'll be um, just so much more readily available for everyone. And I will be sending you yours tomorrow. Yeah, thank you so much. Quick, very quickly. Um, obviously, like, yeah. How did those conversations happen? Like, how did that? How did the whole process happen? Um, for Ocado, we uh, were part of a taste test, and the head buyer loved us. He had first had cold brew in Greece and said, "This is absolutely what I miss. This is what I am looking for." Yes. Uh, so that was part of a taste test, and then. Uh, WH Smith Travel actually during that demo at Whole Foods, the buyer was there. And so actually that was another way of sort of, you know, one one stepping stone to another. Opportunity leads to lead to more, even if the opportunity like even if you didn't have the Whole Foods one you said didn't go as well as you thought. Well, no, or something along those lines. The only right? one that we were able to do before uh the first Oh, okay. So we had you. a plan of all these different events and tastings and getting out there and then if we we had one and then they all went away. Um, but actually, you know, buyers are, sh- are shoppers themselves wherever they live and are doing stuff. And um, so she, I didn't know it at the time, but they reached out after uh, the demo and said, love your product, but want to talk to you about our stores. Amazing. Well, yeah, if hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, your product will be on Ocado uh wh travel will will take a bit more time maybe like a couple weeks from when this podcast is going to release but yeah either way you can find it on Ocado. hopefully uh by the time that this is live so yeah thank you so much annie for joining me is there anything how how else can people stay in touch with you and stay in touch with bottle shot in the meantime um our website our instagram uh honestly if anybody does want any uh, advice or anything my my email is on our website uh we are I mean, we're three and a half people. We're always around and available to chat. Um, Annie, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you had a good experience also. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. It's such a pleasure talking with Annie. And yeah, given that you stayed to the very end, you definitely enjoyed it as well. So thank you so much for staying to the very end. I know many of you guys do so i really do appreciate it if you did enjoy this episode please be sure to leave a five star written review on apple podcast and as a thank you i'll give you a shout out in the next episode if you didn't know that by now um also if you you know recently we've launched on youtube so if you want to watch full you know interview episodes from our you know we started from episode 50 so this is episode 52 now so the last two episodes are on uh youtube now so this one will also be on youtube so there's three of them now um so that link will be in the description below be sure to subscribe while you're there and yeah that's just um another way that people can watch or listen to the podcast 
So available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that stuff, and also on YouTube, which is which is good. I know a lot of you like watching, uh, you know, watching videos at the same time. So it's it's all there. So subscribe while you're there, and yeah, let me know if you like the format. But yeah, thank you so much for listening again, and I'll catch you in the next episode.